Hello everyone, I'm Nicholas Foshing and this is Tech with Nick. In today's episode, we will be talking a little bit about OpenAI and I will introduce you to me. I also will tell you about the future plans for this podcast. So anyways, let's get started. So as you heard in that little intro, I am Nicholas Foshing. I have been programming since I was seven years old and have always had a fascination for technology. I am just naturally a very curious person and I love to explore new things. So you could say I have a lot of experience with computers and stuff and I've gone from thing to thing. I, I first started off, I think, with a Kano DIY computer kit. And I I always wanted a computer. I was like five or six. I was like, hey, mom, dad, I want a computer. And I got one of these Kano Raspberry Pi kits. And Kano is a company that are specifically targeted for kids. And they had these little kits. Then the one I got was a DIY computer kit. And it built your own Raspberry Pi computer. And you kind of had like a little case. and You had to plug in some speakers and stuff. So it wasn't like putting together a full-on uh, computer, but it was still kind of fun for me as a little kid that had no idea about what the stuff was. And then uh, Kano was pretty cool. I started learning how to program using Kano and exploring the world of computers. That was one of my big steps towards where I am today. After I was using, after I was kind of done with the Kano. I was using uh, an old MacBook Air and I started learning some Python programming. I don't remember all that I did, but I really liked the power of being able to just type in some code and have the computer do literally whatever I wanted. And I found that really fun. Uh, Fast forward a little bit more, using that same old MacBook Air, I started to get into Roblox, which some of you probably have heard of. Roblox is an online gaming website, and Roblox allows kids and even adults to write their own games in something called Roblox Studio. And Roblox Studio is kind of like a development environment for making games. So I started using Roblox, learning how to program, making some of my games. Though I never really finished a full game, I had a lot of fun in the process and I learned many things using Roblox and Roblox Studio to make my own games. But I never ended up going down that path, but I did have fun during that process. Now we're getting closer to where I am now. Still, that was a little while ago, but I started working on doing some of my own projects and started doing Roblox stuff. I was started exploring with Unity, the Unity game engine, something more advanced out of just the simple world of Roblox. And then After Unity, I started going to all sorts of programming languages. I already had Python programming experience, but I started trying to learn Swift, started to learn C++, C Sharp, Java, HTML, JavaScript, all sorts of stuff. And I just went from thing to thing because I always find it kind of interesting learning what I could do and explore with new technologies. So I I I went through that phase for quite a long time. And then I got to the point where I started building my own 8-bit breadboard computer. And if you don't know what that is, a breadboard is just kind of, not really sure how to describe it, but an electrical board that you can put wires into and logic chips or ICs, integrated circuits into, and you can create your own circuit and do sort of stuff. So I used a kit from Ben Eater. 
uh, eater.net, literally just spelled eater.net. That's his website. And you can buy these kits and build your own computer from scratch. And that experience, I learned a ton from. I learned how the basics of computers were created. I learned how wiring a voltage and what logic gates are and how all of these things come together. And I'd say that's one of the things I did that I think I learned the most from. Uh, And if you're interested in more techie sort of stuff, I definitely recommend one of those uh, Ben Eater kits. And a reminder, it's if you go to eater.net, E-A-T-E-R dot N-E-T, you can buy one of these kits and it's very educational and you can learn a lot from it. And then after that, I did some more of my exploring with programming sort of stuff. And then I started getting into blockchains and blockchains are very interesting. And I had a lot of fun, not so much for the cryptocurrency and that sort of aspect, but just how you can have this single thing, this blockchain that is regulated by thousands, hundreds of people all around the world, all working together to create something and build a foundation for something that is near impossible to hack and everything works together. And say I wanna buy something using a cryptocurrency, then that request getting sent out to the rest of the world and that money transfer being saved by the rest of the world and everyone confirming that yes, this is a valid money transfer and now it's ingrained into the blockchain's history forever. And now we're kind of getting closer to where I am now. You, If you've read my blog before, blog.njf.dev, you will have seen that I wrote a little bit about blockchains And now I'm working on my website, still a little bit interested in blockchains. And now I'm here doing this podcast, talking about some of my tech and all that sort of stuff that I've been doing. And I just kind of wanted to share with you a little bit of my experience with technology, just to share what I kind of have in the world. And I love to talk, as you probably could tell already. I love to talk about people, to family, to friends, just about the stuff that I'm learning because I love being curious and I love sharing all this curiosity and I like to teach people. And that's why I've started this podcast because I think I am going to enjoy just talking and sharing about stuff that I am doing with technology and all the new cool stuff I'm learning. So I hope you'll be a regular listener to these podcasts and take some time to enjoy them. I aim to have these podcasts be a route around 20 minutes long. Sometimes it may go longer or shorter, but that really depends on how much I have to talk about. But generally I want to keep it in that range to where you could listen to it on a, you know, drive to work or a, you know, 30 minute walk or something. And that's really it about me. If you have any questions, you can always send me an email at contact at njf.dev. That's my email where you can contact and talk to me over email. But yeah, if you have any more questions about who I am, what I do, feel free to send me an email. That's kind of it for what I'm going to talk about me for today. Now let's get started with OpenAI. So you may have heard of OpenAI recently in tech, even the past few months. OpenAI is had a profound impact on especially the last few months of uh, 2020, but really just in general all of the time. So let's start with OpenAI. OpenAI was founded by Elon Musk in 20, 
in 2015. Uh, so about seven, uh, at the very end of 2015, so about seven years ago. And um, so it was funded by Elon Musk, and you probably heard a lot about Elon Musk in news and in my newsletter. But Elon Musk uh, founded OpenAI, and eventually he quit and left OpenAI to be its own thing. And then OpenAI turned into a nonprofit. So there's now OpenAI nonprofit, and OpenAI nonprofit has a subsidiary company, OpenAI. I know it's a little bit confusing, but OpenAI is the main company that we're talking about. So OpenAI is one, is a company that I'm really interested in, very fascinating, and it's one of the hottest tech companies in Silicon Valley right now. So OpenAI has a ton of different AI projects. One of the things they were most well known for is GPT-3. GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. And so OpenAI was most, one of the things I first kind of discovered about OpenAI was GPT-3. And when I first heard out, found out about GPT-3, it was like the new kid on the block. It was one of the things that everyone was interested in. You give it some text and it will come with ideas. People were using GPT-3 to come up with ideas for games to build or, you know, create messages to send to people or, you know, all sorts of random whatever stuff you want to do because it's kind of just like you know talk not really but kind of just talking to a human and then having them respond but gpt3 was in pay it was a paid version and more limited so only people that specifically got access to it from OpenAI or paid for it will would have access to it so it wasn't that big for people that didn't have access to it they just kind of heard about it through people who did have access to it and then Last year, 2022, came out the big news, Dolly. And Dolly, if you haven't heard, is a text-to-image AI. You give it some text, some prompts to generate an image, and based off of that prompt, it'll generate images for you. And that was something that was like a big breakthrough. Because, it, I mean, it wasn't released in 2022. It was released, I think, about a earl- year earlier but it became free for anyone to use in 2022. And that was significant because anyone, anyone could just give it a prompt and get whatever image they want. People could use that to generate images for their articles or for their newsletter as I have done. You could use it to generate like any image you wanted to make. And that was one of the first things that OpenAI, OpenAI ever put out to the public. And it was a big deal because everyone was using it. And then it brought concerns about copyright and that sort of stuff. And one of the big concerns with artists that and people that make these different pieces of art is that OpenAI has trained Dolly to take in patterns from all these different pieces of artworks and just recognize patterns from these. And then based off of your prompt, take patterns from different things and put it together. And even in some cases, Dolly was creating, you know, near one-to-one copies of artist images. And that's pretty close to copyright because you're basically just taking all of the ideas from someone else's work and putting it into yours. And many artists were upset about that. More recently, the I'm not sure about other governments, but I know the US government said that these pieces of artwork generated by Dolly can't be copyrighted because Dolly is not a human, and because it's not a human, it can't be copyrighted. And 
from my understanding, that means that Dolly can't really get in trouble for these other pieces of artist's work because it's creating its own unique work. And it, literally anyone can take those pieces of work because it's only humans get copyright protections in the U.S. So there was all that sort of stuff. And then there was other companies that were doing things such as Stable Diffusion and all these other companies that were creating alternatives and other, like, even some open source versions of Dolly that anyone could use. And then came the thing that basically is all over the internet right now, ChatGPT. And just like before, ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. And it is a chatbot. And But the main difference about this chatbot is it's not those dumb chatbots that never answer your questions on those websites and stuff. It is trained on all this knowledge from all around the internet. And it can respond to your message or question just as if it was another person. And that was that's insane because it's not limited to some little specific niche use case. It can answer anything. It is a just a general chatbot about anything. You can ask it to write an essay for school. You can ask it to, you know, solve the or explain the Pythagorean theorem as if you were a three year old. You could ask it to write code and or come up with game ideas or any sort of thing. And ChatGPT is based off of GPT-3, which has been around for a, for a while. But the difference about ChatGPT is that it was released for free to the public on launch. And it was it came out about three months ago, three to four months ago, and literally anyone can use it. There are no restrictions. There's no hidden price, anything as of now. It's completely free. Ask it whatever you want, and you can basically get an answer to anything. And that's crazy because, it, like I said, it can answer all these different questions, but it's such a big deal because it can answer literally any question. One issue with ChatGPT, there's a lot of benefits to ChatGPT, and there's also a lot of downsides. And the main reason why I'm talking about this is because it was brought out to the real world just like that. There are students that are using ChatGPT to write essays and cheat on homework too because ChatGPT is smart enough and convincing enough that it can create work that looks like as if it was created by a student and make it actually solve or do whatever the essay or homework wanted. And so there's been many school systems that have started trying to ban ChatGPT because there's these students that are cheating and using it to, you know, cheat off of work. It's really impacting the whole point of school, which is to learn. So there was this college student from Princeton University that created something called GPT-0. And basically it is a tool that allows educators or anyone to input some text and detect if that text was written by AI or if it was written by a human. It's pretty interesting. I recommend you check it out. Uh, if you read my newsletter for January 15, 2023, you can find a link to it. GPT-0 is using different measures that GPT model just can't replicate like a human. 
So a GPT model generally has sentences that are very uniform. They're similar. Every sentence is similar in length with, you know, words spread out uniformly across the sentences. Whereas a human has more varying sentence lengths and their words are a bit more, I guess, spontaneous or different clusters of words that aren't very uniform. And of course, there's more advanced things that it's doing. But using these measures, it can tell whether a human or a AI wrote a message. I even gave ChatGPT the explicit uh, purpose of trying to fool GPT-0 and it still failed. Because these GPT models are trained on all of this information, it's trying to take the, it's going to take the average sentence length and the average, you know, amount of words used per sentence of these things. And because it's using the average of everything, you can tell whether it's more uniform and made by an AI or if it's more spontaneous and made by a human. And then there's also people, another large market of ChatGPT is people who are programmers. And I, I've used, one of the things I love ChatGPT for is learning a new programming language. So as I mentioned before, I have experience in Swift, but that was a long time ago. And I wanted to start learning more about Swift again because I wanted to start developing my own macOS applications. And one thing that I was having an issue with is just, I still am not, there's things that I'm not very familiar about with Swift about. So it's amazing because I can go to ChatGPT, hey, why isn't my code working? What am I doing wrong? How do I do this in Swift? In ChatGPT, 99% of the time, it'll give me an answer that solves my issue. And if it doesn't, I just say, hey, that still doesn't work. You know, what, what else is there for this? And that's amazing because people can learn new programming language. They, they can learn about new topics. People are even writing games for it. But always with AI, there's also a downside. More recently, we there's been uh, hackers, especially like newbie hackers that aren't very experienced, that is that are using ChatGPT to generate malicious code. And that's scary because these newbie hackers generally ha are, have resorted to, are generally called script kiddies. And that refers to the fact that they just use pieces of software that they found online and don't understand what it is. But now that these people can, these newbie hackers can generate malicious code that this dynamic malicious code that's never been seen before and they can tailor it and ask GPT, chat GPT to specifically tailor it to whatever they need, these pieces of malware are getting more complex and sophisticated and they're regenerating at a faster rate than ever before. And that's kind of a big deal for security that all these new hackers are getting access to this very powerful, potentially dangerous malware. So as always with anything AI, there's always an upside and a downside. But I still like ChatGPT and I'll still use it because it's a great way just to, you know, if there's something I'm not understanding, especially something specific, uh, one great advantage of ChatGPT over something like Google is it can answer questions specific to your needs because it has looked at patterns in the past and can adapt it specifically to what you have. So especially as a programmer, if I have an issue with my code and I go to Google, you know, why doesn't this work? 
Google's not going to know. It can't automatically change its answer depending on what my code is, whereas ChatGPT is designed to do that, is designed to specifically help you for your specific purpose. And that's an amazing benefit of ChatGPT. Microsoft um, uh, Microsoft has partnered with OpenAI before. They are gen- they're one of the big backers of OpenAI, and they've their subsidiary company, GitHub, has also partnered with OpenAI to create GitHub Copilot. Microsoft is planning, or still, I think, considering about taking a 49% stake in OpenAI. And Microsoft, part of the reason why Microsoft is trying to do this is because they want to take all of the things that OpenAI has created and put it into their own software. So Microsoft is planning to put you know, like a version of GPT into their Word text editor. They're also planning to put ChatGPT and their t- into their search engine and create a way where you can create images using Dolly. And Microsoft, with their Bing search engine, is trying to add all these new AI features and really trying to rival what Google has been because Google really has been the dominant leader in search engines for a while. So I think one of the main reasons why Microsoft is putting the stake into OpenAI is to integrate these things that only OpenAI has into their own software and try to rival uh, Google. But I'm okay with Microsoft uh, taking over OpenAI as long as they don't start ruining all this amazing progress that OpenAI has done and as long as they keep some of these things free. OpenAI is planning to put in a paid version for ChatGPT because for every message that you send to ChatGPT, OpenAI is it's costs OpenAI a few cents to run the computational uh, power for that. And so OpenAI can't keep ChatGPT free forever. I alone have easily sent over a hundred messages to ChatGPT and easily have cost them five dollars. And multiply that by the, you know, five million users. Probably many people that are using it more for me. That's like a fifty million dollar drain that OpenAI is taking every like month. So OpenAI has to figure that out. And one way they're trying to do that is with ChatGPT Professional. And the pricing still isn't decided on that. But basically, it's just a more unlimited version of ChatGPT. Uh, sometimes for currently, there's so many people using the service that chat or OpenAI has to throttle and limit the limit the amount of messages you can send and how fast it responds. But for these ChatGPT professional users that are paying whatever amount of money, they will get no limits on that uh, unlimited messages per day, which is another limit that OpenAI has right now. But it's very an, an early experimental phase, so OpenAI still themselves doesn't know what they're going to charge it for, but they're currently taking in new signups on a wait list for the to kind of see in a negotiated price with people to see kind of what what amount of money people are willing to spend for ChatGPT. That is about the time I have for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Obviously, it's my first time ever doing a podcast, so there still are things that. I'm going to be inexperienced with. Um, But I still hope you enjoyed and continue listening to new podcasts. Uh, Throughout time, I hope the quality 
and、um, efficiency that I can do these podcasts improve a lot. So I I know that this isn't gonna be a you know top notch podcast by professionals that you might listen to somewhere else, but I'm still new and just over time I hope that it'll be better. But I hope you still enjoyed and listened. And that's it for me. See you next time.